Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 798 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, we're going to speak with Christy. She is an adult living with type 1 diabetes, and she's going to talk to us today about her journey through pregnancy. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. You're on the internet constantly clicking and tapping and swiping. I just need 10 minutes from you. Head to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Join the registry, complete the survey. They're looking for people living with type 1 diabetes who are U.S. residents or who are the caregiver of someone with type 1. This is all you need to do. There's a great episode about why this is so important, but you're going to be helping people with type 1. You might be helping yourself. You're going to be moving type 1 diabetes research forward and supporting the podcast all by filling out a survey, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored today by AG1 from Athletic Greens. Every morning I wake up, take a scoop of delicious AG1, and I'm on my way. When you use my link, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash juicebox. If you're looking for a great Type 1 organization to support, check out Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org. I'm Christy, and I was diagnosed in April of 2020 with type 1. Um, It was actually at the height of the pandemic. Uh, It was just a few weeks after the whole world shut down, and um, I can just dive right into my story if you want me to. (laughs) Well, yeah, let me just make sure I understand the timeline correctly from when we're doing it now. Like, Are you just up on your two-year anniversary? Just about. Uh, next week is my two-year anniversary. Wow. Right. Cool. That's excellent. I mean, cool in that you end up on here at an anniversary. It, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> Christy. What does it matter what when you're doing this? I just, I found it interesting that it's been like kind of exactly two years. So, yeah. all right. You seem excited to tell me what happened. So what <laughs> happened? Yeah. So um, my husband and I got married in 2017 and we wanted to start a family um, in 2019, and after a couple months of trying and um, not being successful, we decided to go to a fertility clinic, and um, this was, again, kind of as COVID was breaking out, it was during our first appointment, so we said, we're just going to start with some blood work and kind of see if we can see anything from that before we actually have you come into the office, mm-hmm. and so I went in for blood work, and my fasting glucose was 305. Oh. So they called me and said, you need to see your PCP and find an endocrinologist and figure out what's going on. Um, So that kind of put all the fertility on hold, fertility treatments on hold, and really um, got got to learning about what even diabetes was. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was originally diagnosed with type 2, which is very common 
uh, to misdiagnose at the beginning, especially um, not having, I didn't go into diabetic ketoacidosis. I just had the, the high blood sugars. And so when I first saw my, my PCP, um, he just kind of, I walked into the office, you know, again, it's COVID petrified to go anywhere, double masked, walked in and he's like, so I hate to break it to you, but you have diabetes. And I was like, okay. And he's like, so do you know what a carb is? And you know, I, I chuckled. I was like, yes, like, you know, I'm relatively familiar with nutrition and I had done the keto diet in the past and knew what carbs were. He said, okay, avoid those and you'll be fine. Hmm. And here's a prescription for metformin and kind of set me on my way. All right, I, and, have a I have a couple of questions. <laughs> yeah. Let's start with one that you can't really answer. Who do you think thought, let's call primary care physicians PCPs, also known as <laughs> angel dust. Uh, a con a do, do you know what I mean? Like, do you, don't you always wonder, like, who comes up with stuff? Like, why is there no one in the room? That, here's what I think. I think in every room where something gets named, you need a person like me who sits there and goes, I think PCP also means angel dust. We probably shouldn't use that. You, you know, instead right. of people just going, oh, primary care physician. Yeah, that sounds right. We'll do that. Anyway, because every time you say that, what I hear is every time I... <laughs> I hear angel dust, angel dust. My other question is, when you decide to have a um a, a baby, you want to try to make a baby, uh, I'm being serious. What happens mm -hmm. first? Do you get tired of having sex when it doesn't happen? Or do you start worrying that, hey, this should have happened by now? Like, what was your first, like, were you like, see, I'm being serious. Like, which, <laughs> which came yeah, to you first? Was, I really just expected it to happen so quickly. So I'm the youngest of five. Mm -hmm. And, um, my grand, my parents had 18 grandchildren from my other siblings. Oh my goodness. So I was like, oh, this is going to be so easy. Um, you know, I'll be pregnant the first month. And so when we were about six or seven months in, I was like, okay, maybe we should just get things checked out. And kind of did it just as a precaution. You know, most people say it takes at least a year, mm -hmm. but I was impatient and I'm very type A and <laughs> wanted on a specific timeline. Christy, um, <laughs> are you like sitting in that room going like, you get me pregnant right now. This is when it has to yes. happen. No pressure at all, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, a lot of fun um, you are. Okay, okay. I see. <laughs> yeah, so then when it wasn't happening, that's when we decided to to check it out. And that's... um. That's what kind of changed my whole course. Do you, do, even from his perspective, do you, do you ever walk like in that process? Did you walk into the bedroom and go, I can't believe we're doing this again? Like, did it, get, <laughs> did it get, to, did it get um, clinical? I guess is my question. Oh, definitely. When you're trying for that long, it definitely, it's like, you know, you have all the apps and you're tracking everything. And, you know, every morning I was checking hormones and it's like, it's like, okay, we gotta do it again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So is it as bad as someone's like looking at their phone while you're having sex or not quite that badly? It's not that bad. Not I mean, that bad. <laughs> you, still, you still get to enjoy it. There you go. All right. Excellent. Um, I, I, so wait, tell me again, your grandparents made like, like most of the people oh, who so live in the state. My parents. Um, <laughs> so I was saying my parents have 18 grandchildren. Your parents um, have 18 grandchildren. So between my four siblings, there's 18 kids. I see. So just even more specifically, your brothers and or sisters have no trouble knocking out the babies. Correct. How Most much of all this? Sisters. How, all sisters. Okay. How much of this? Um, well, I'm probably skipping ahead. Oh, look at me. I almost <laughs> asked the question that ruins the story. Okay, go ahead. You got. So they put you on metformin. And then what happened? 
So I ended up going uh, to Amazon and getting um, a glucose meter and was taking my blood sugar um, kind of, you know, a couple of times throughout the day and sent an email through the portal to my doctor saying, Hey, you know, I'm still seeing blood sugars around, you know, 275, 300. And he wrote back, stop obsessing about your blood sugar. It'll take a few weeks for the metformin to kick in. Kick in. Is that how drugs work? They have to (laughs) kick in. So I, uh, again, being type A and impatient, called Joslyn Diabetes Center and just said, you know, I got got blood work done. My A1C was, I think, 11.9. And my fasting, again, was 305. Mm -hmm. And so the operator was like, we will see you tomorrow. (laughs) We will get you in right away. Um, And they were able to do a virtual visit and correctly diagnose me. And that day I had insulin in my body. So it really took kind of advocating for myself and realizing that it just, you know, there was a difference between type two and type one, and I just didn't fit the profile of type two. You know, was I too harsh earlier? Were you calling your primary care physician PCP because he was actually on angel dust? <laughs> you know, no. I, uh, I quickly, I quickly dropped that doctor and found a new one right yeah. after. Stop worrying about your um, health so much. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think the best thing was the day that he had diagnosed me with type two and put me on the metformin. I said, you know, we're trying to get pregnant. Would this affect um, my ability to get pregnant or does metformin, you know, safe for pregnancy? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, with diabetes, you should just look at adoption. So oh. that was the most heartbreaking sentence I'd ever heard. This was still the PCP guy? Yeah. Wow. What a What a bedside manner on him. Huh? Right. It was a guy, right? There's no way a woman said that to you. No, it was definitely a guy. Yeah, yeah I figured that out. Okay. Um, wow. How many people do you think right now are like, I don't know what PCP or angel dust is, and I don't understand why they're talking about it so much? <laughs> like, like, what age do you have to be to understand that lingo, do you think? Probably, yeah, probably 25 plus, 30 plus. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you know what Molly is, anyway, I don't know. Listen, <laughs> I'm a funny person to talk about this. I only know these things from television shows I watched as a child. So, um, okay. So you got away from the bad doctor um, who told you not to worry about your, who gave you metformin, <laughs> not even a meter, sent you home. And then when you checked on your own health, told you, please stop paying so close attention to this. And by the way, you probably shouldn't have children. Yep. So no good information came from this doctor whatsoever. No, not wow. at all. Jeez. Hey, did you know if you go to my link, contournext.com forward slash juice box, there's a, a place there where you could actually get a meter right through Amazon. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in for people because apparently you guys are buying stuff on Amazon. So please, you can still use my link. I know that was inappropriate. Let's move on, Christy. Um <laughs> So you get to Jocelyn, and I assume they give you, I mean, they, they do appropriate testing to find out that you have type 1 diabetes? Yeah. So they diagnosed me with LADA. With the, um, you had an episode on it, latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was 30 when I was diagnosed. And when they looked back at blood work, I had had a relatively higher um, fasting glucose a year prior and my uh, my great PCP hadn't flagged it or really um, done anything about it at the time, but it was evident that my pancreas was um, slowly losing its function. I assume that doctor just thought you had had a sandwich before coming in. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, that's fine. She probably had something with bread. Don't worry about it. Uh, wow, what a what a go getter. Jeez. Oh yeah. How, does it make you look back 
at the other things that you had seen this doctor for in the past? And do you like wonder through all of them? Well, luckily I had only seen him for about two years okay. before. Um, so I had just moved uh, to my, moved back to my hometown. And so I just started seeing him. Is this a case of a small town doctor or an older person? A uh, very small town rural hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, like the only doctor there. Yeah, like if he if he doesn't kill like half of you, it's a good thing. He's like, ah, I saved half of them. What do you want from me? Uh, right? Like that vibe? Yep. I gotcha. Definitely. You, do you pay him in chickens? How rural is it exactly? <laughs> well, not that rural. Okay. So he took money and everything. Yeah. You didn't have to like, well, bake, a, like you know. bake a pie in exchange for like a thermometer or something like that. Which doesn't that no. sound better, by the way? <laughs> It does. I was just going to say, with all the baking I was doing in March of 2020. (laughs) All of us. All of us are inside like we should bake something, cook something. I was making uh, (laughs) potato chips for a while. And do you have any idea how much time that takes? (laughs) Well, that was the thing when he diagnosed me as type 2. I was like, wow, all the bread I made, (laughs) the cakes and the cupcakes, like I I really killed myself. Uh, uh, Just, you know, I had that assumption that that's how you cause diabetes. And of course, learned so much more over the last two years. So how long did it take you to, I mean, it sounds like you're the type of person who's going to dig right in. So, you know, what was care like in the beginning? So at the beginning, uh, definitely was a little bit more challenging because kind of everyone was telling me to restrict carbs that, you know, everybody said the long-term complications of type one. And I immediately was like, I'm only 30. I want to live a long life. And I wanted to have, you know, that flat CGM line. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'd say the first couple of months, I definitely really struggled with food issues. Um, it was really hard to kind of go into the summer with the world kind of opening up a little bit. Um, I live in a resort town. And so, you know, it was summer and the beach and everything was fun. And I was sitting there like, oh, I, I don't want to have ice cream. I don't want to do any carbs. I need to keep my sugars under control. and um, just kind of, it's, I just say those first couple of months, like mentally were really challenging because I knew I wanted to prevent long-term complications, but thought that the only way to do that was to restrict. And that was not how I wanted to live the rest of my life. Yeah. So what were you, when you were really restricting, what were you eating? Uh, a lot of eggs, <laughs> a lot of eggs and bacon, um, and like chicken thighs and veggies, very keto based, um, you know, kind of 30, 30 carbs, 30 to 50 carbs a day. Right. Chicken thighs. That was so specific, Christy. Oh, I hate chicken breasts, so I only do chicken thighs. <laughs> Are you from the South? No, Northeast. No, no Northeast. But you like a you like a darker chicken meat. Yep. Little greasy. <laughs> Look at you. How'd you how'd you prepare it? I don't this has nothing to do with anything. I just I just need to know. Just that. in just in the oven. Just baked it in the oven. Yeah. Salt Interesting. And pepper. Interesting. Look at you. You're a, you're a different kind, Christy. I like you. Okay. Um, she wants, Christy wants the thighs. That's for sure. You were like chicken breast. Ugh. Yeah. It's so dry. It's who would eat this garbage. Exactly. <laughs> so funny. Um, okay. I don't know why I was so amused by that. I was really taken by that. I was like, bre- like, because most people would have just said chicken. You know what I mean? Yeah. You were like chicken that's thighs. True. Chicken thighs, thighs. damn it. Don't give me any of that white meat. (laughs) The stuff that people say is healthy. I don't want that at all. 
Um, that's yeah. excellent. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So you have a skewed vi- vision of what you're supposed to be doing at first. I understand it, by the way, because for five seconds, uh, I've said this on the podcast before, but somebody it turned out my iron was very low. I was just unhealthy. But my dentist looked at me one day and said, are you sure you don't have type two diabetes? And I was like, I don't think so. Uh, but even in the 24 to 48 hours that it took me to get to a physician, I had trouble making myself eat. It was interesting mm-hmm. how it impacted me. Like right away, I, I became, uh, I, I don't know, just paranoid about food. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, that, so I do, I think I understand what you're talking about a little bit there. How long did that last, that process of just eating chicken thighs and eggs? Um, so that was probably till about July or August. How um, long was that in and, months, do you think? Oh, like three months. Wow. Okay. So I had amazingly gotten my A1C down to 5.5 in July. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, you know, really just through that restricted eating and really not having a fun life. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I specifically remember the day in August when I went to work out and I'd, I'd made kind of a home gym during COVID and had a low blood sugar and was just like feeling really defeated. Like this is just too much to conquer. I, you know, I'm not eating what I want to eat. I can't work out like I usually do. Um, and I went on to Facebook to find a support group and they recommended listening to the juice box podcast. And so it was literally that day in my gym, I started to listen to the podcast and was like, wait, I can eat carbs and have a normal life and, you know, have a normal A1C and not have these long-term complications. So that's really kind of when everything kind of turned around for how I was managing and um, kind of not having to have this food restrictions and fear food lifestyle. How many chickens have I saved? (laughs) A lot of chickens. I have, right? I am. uh, Yeah, I've liberated chickens. Wow. Now I'm feeling good about this. Okay, great. I was going to call this episode thighs and eggs, but I might now consider myself the great liberator of chickens and make that the episode. (laughs) Uh, But so the podcast, well, what happened? I mean, you started thinking maybe this, this guy's voice knows something about using insulin. Like I could figure this out. Definitely. And I think one of the biggest things was hearing about the Omnipod. And so I, when I first was diagnosed, I didn't even want the Dexcom. I didn't want anything. I was like, I don't want to wear anything on my body. I didn't want anyone to know I was diagnosed. Um, I should also backtrack and say I had uh, a lot of kind of like work stress going on. So I was the president of our chamber of commerce, the executive director. So helping businesses get through COVID. And at the same time, I serve on my town select board which is kind of like a city counselor. Mm-hmm. So trying to save the town, trying to save all the businesses and also trying to learn how to you know, save my life and deal with diabetes. And so I didn't really want to be wearing anything, was nervous or like what people would think that I, I had this like perception that people would think that I couldn't lead um, having this complication. Oh, wow. And really? Yeah, I think just mentally, I just thought it again, just kind of thought it was going to interfere with um, kind of the perception of me, which I now realize it, I think it makes me stronger and more badass that I can handle everything and, you know, monitor my blood sugars daily. Yeah. Maybe you will save that bell tower. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that the, the theme of like 
half of the movies in the 80s, mm-hmm. right? Like a town has to sell, save a bell tower or something like that. Plus that Back to the Future, we're getting off the subject here. Hold on. Uh, that is really, um, well, it's 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 not surprising, I guess, that you would think I don't want people to know, especially being diagnosed so late. And you make a good point about all the different stressors. And the one you left out was that you, did you still think you couldn't have kids at that point? Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is a premixed auto-injector of glucagon for treatment of very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to givokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givokeglucagon.com slash risk. Today, the podcast is also sponsored by AG1, and I began taking AG1 because I was concerned that my diet didn't include all of the vitamins that I needed. Now, every morning I wake up, take one scoop of delicious AG1, and with that scoop, I get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. These help me to start my day right. This special blend of ingredients supports my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, gives me more energy, recovery, and focus. And AG1 is lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And did you know it contains less than one gram of sugar? No GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anythings? Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, but it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body can actually absorb. And don't forget that when you go to my link, athleticgreens.com forward slash juicebox, Your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is also so important to add in these winter months. So go ahead and check it out. Athleticgreens.com forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to GVOKE, AG1, Touched by Type 1, and all the sponsors. When you click on my links, you're supporting the show. And before we get back to Christy, If you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series, the Bold Beginning series, or any of the series within the podcast, head over to juiceboxpodcast.com. Go up to the menu, and they're all broken out there. They have their own page, each one. And if you're on the private Facebook group, and you should be, those same lists can be found in the Feature tab at the top of the page. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. So at that point, it was actually one of the first podcasts I listened to was somebody, um, they were talking postpartum about their pregnancy. So I was like, okay, I can get pregnant with type one. Um, And that's really when I started to kind of look into it and research. And um, I switched endocrinologists to somebody who specializes in pregnancy with type one. So trying to get that ball moving as well. Nice. Um, Yeah, it was really being put on the Omnipod is what helped me because my insulin doses were so small at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if this is common with everybody, but they started me off on the sliding scale where if your blood sugars, you know, say above 150, you take half a unit of insulin when you go to eat, but they don't account for any of the carbs that you're eating. Yeah. The good old sliding (laughs) scale. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So I'd be like, okay, my blood sugars are under 150. I'm not going to take insulin. And then I'd eat what I wanted to eat and I would, you know, go through the roof. So none of that made sense to me. And it was kind of listening to the podcast about, you know, your example of tug of war and like the insulin has to get in your body and be able to compete with the carbs. And then I realized you actually have to take the insulin for the number of carbs. And so I ended up meeting with my endocrinologist in September and was like, uh, I think I know my insulin to carb ratio and this is what it is. And I want to be on a pump and like, can you set all this up for me? And she was like, okay, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, Christy's here and she doesn't need us so much. Um, how did they, uh, how did the doctor accept that? Was that excited for them? Were they like, oh great, this person knows what's up. Let's just double check it. Or is it off putting to them? How did you? No, she was really excited. Um, and I think, I mean, it makes their lives easier when they don't have to do as much work or, you know, constantly over explain. Like, I feel like they, one of my first appointments, they again, always go into what the long-term impacts are and all the complications. And, you know, she kind of started off with, you seem to already have a good control on this. And as long as you kind of keep maintaining it, you know, you'll, you'll be in the clear. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I deserve some money from these appointments now because, I mean, you're right. She got paid that day. What do you think your insurance probably paid her? A few hundred dollars, don't you think? Well, that was the thing during my pregnancy. Uh, you have to meet every couple of weeks and she'd be like, well, I'm not going to make any changes because you already did. It was like, yeah, I already did all of this. I don't even need an endo. Don't but. forget to pay us on the way out. And then Scott doesn't <laughs> right. get anything. Yeah. Basically, I, I this baby... Let, let's just jump to the end. Is this baby's name Scott? Yes or no? <laughs> no. Ah, damn it. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> did getting your blood sugars under control make it easier to get pregnant? Um, so we ended up still going through fertility treatments, um, but we were successful um, in April of last year okay. of getting pregnant. Congratulations. So, because I was wondering, like the whole time you were telling the story, I was like, I wonder if her blood sugar gets back in range and she gets pregnant or if it just makes... Uh, the IVF possible. So I wasn't certain where it would go. How how many rounds did you have to go to get pregnant? Um, we did two rounds and we ended up being successful with an IUI, which is kind of the precursor to IVF. Oh, can you, I don't know what that is. IUI. Uh, it's an intrauterine uter. Hmm. Uh-oh, you don't know what it is either. <laughs> <laughs> intrauterine insemination, I think. Um, and intrauterine insemination yeah so what is they just like is it like turkey baster time is that what they just took the boys and jammed them yeah i got you all right i figured you need a lot of big (laughs) words for that so it doesn't sound like what it is i understand why they do that so what's the difference can i ask like what's i can't believe this what's the difference between your your husband's penis doing it and whatever they use do they take it more to the source or so it doesn't have to travel as far yes (laughs) yes Got it. Um, they have the tube goes a little bit deeper, so drops it right on the eggs. <laughs> so they don't have to and, go for the walk first, right? I gotcha. Um, and so that ended up being successful, which we were about to start IVF, and we we're very lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, it sounds like it, it's a an easy, it, not easier, well, maybe easier, but also probably less expensive and a, a number of other things. No drugs, right? Um, we still use drugs um, just to try to increase the number of eggs um, to ensure that it will be successful. Um, but I would say 
typically IUIs have a very low success rate. People do a couple just to try before they go to IVF. Um, So I was very lucky to be successful. And I really think it was, I had kind of everything in line with my blood sugars. Um, I had gotten diagnosed with Hashimoto's in the fall and had to kind of get my thyroid under control. And so it wasn't until about January. um, So that was kind of 10 months, eight to 10 months um, after being diagnosed with type one that we were able to start resuming the fertility treatments. Oh, and the Hashimoto's came after the type one? Yes. So probably the two were related, but nobody tested my thyroid. <laughs> At the time, you think maybe they mo- they both might have. St- oh, interesting. I have more questions now. A- anyone else in your family, like all those those girls that you're related to, those sisters, um, did they have any autoimmune stuff? No other sibling, um, but both my parents have hypothyroidism. Interesting. And there's 18 grandchildren. And all of them are fine. I uh, I won the jackpot with the auto, autoimmune Chris, diseases. Christy, listen, I'm, what I'm hearing is I've got 18 more possibilities of people that could be on this podcast one day. So I don't want to <laughs> jinx anybody, but, you know, let's keep them aware of the show because I'm going to need content <laughs> moving forward. Um, I mean, that's really going to be interesting for you. I, I obviously don't wish any ill will on anyone, but 18 people descended from three of your sisters. You got to, like... I mean, I'd, I wouldn't bet on it, but maybe I would like, maybe I'd start like a, like a raffle thing or something where you bet money (laughs) on the kids or I, I, it seems wrong. Let's take that back. I don't mean that, but, uh, (laughs) I do think it would, you know, when you pick the squares for the Super Bowl, (laughs) right? I I don't think you should do this, but it's a delightful, I don't know why I'm amused by this idea. I know I shouldn't be, uh, but yeah, you put all the kids' names on a little chart and people lay money on it and uh, somebody wins the pot one day. (laughs) That would well, be wrong. They chose me. They've been big. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You have two already. You um, have anything else coming? <laughs> you, you feeling anything coming on? Or or is it it's been pretty um, good since then? No, it's been pretty good since then. Um, with pregnancy, I was definitely at risk for preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, they think that's also an autoimmune. And I ended up with postpartum preeclampsia. They think preeclampsia is autoimmune? They're starting to to dig into that, and um, yeah, that's what my OB was talking to me about. And I was, I was confused as to how they were they were monitoring me throughout the whole pregnancy for preeclampsia, and I ended up with postpartum. So it was three days postpartum that my blood um, blood pressure skyrocketed. NIH article here is preeclampsia an autoimmune disease from wow two thousand nine. Um, numerous recent studies have shown that women with preeclampsia possess antigen tensin receptor agonist. I should not be saying these words. Autoantibodies <laughs> that bind to and activate receptors. Uh, instruction of these autoantibodies in pregnant mice. Look at that. I'll be darned. Isn't that interesting? We're learning a lot here in this generation of uh, of doctors. Not your PCP. He was an idiot. No. But these other doctors seem to sometimes understand what's going on. Um, wow. So uh, how was the pregnancy? Did it go pretty well? It sounds like you were really well maintained as far as your blood sugars go. Yes. Um, so I really um, you know, got to experiment with insulin, with all of the insulin resistance. Um, and i you know, very thankful to be able to have Dexcom and Omnipod. And I worked with Jenny from Integrated Diabetes Services. And 
um, was just able to have a very successful uh, pregnancy. My A1C was under 5.1 the whole pregnancy. Wow. And then um, I did deliver at 37 weeks just because my blood pressure had started to increase. Okay. Was that, did that cause any issues or no? Nope. They um, were able to induce me. Um, and after a 31 hour labor, <laughs> um, I had my son. <laughs> um, it was fun. I actually didn't find out the sex during the pregnancy. And so it was really fun for that surprise, but I really, uh, that was a long labor. So it was a good surprise at the end. 31 hours. Um, is a very long time. You were <laughs> yeah. like, and just 31 hours later. Just a day or so <laughs> later, the baby came out. Well, he yeah. definitely wasn't done cooking yet. You were just done baking him. That's all. So, yes. Not, uh, how much did the baby weigh? He was six pounds, eight ounces. Nice. And at any point, did we consider naming him Scott? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> was it ever joked about? <laughs> nope. <laughs> did you ever think of it in the back of your mind for a split second? Hey, the guy on the podcast is probably going to want me to name this baby after him. Maybe. <laughs> really? All right. That's no. Enough. No. You didn't even think about it? All right. Fine. That's right. It's healthy for me to know you didn't think about it at all. I appreciate that. <laughs> it actually, it's good for me. I, I And even if you did think about it, lying to me is the right way to go. Because um, <laughs> it makes you sound like a bad parent. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, so, nice, healthy baby. Everything's been good. Yeah. How, how long ago did you give birth? Uh, he's three months. Wow. So new. Oh, you're making me so sad. It's, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, it's the best time, really. It's uh, it, I, I'm just my son's finishing up college, and um, and you're making me sad. You're gonna make me sad. Don't mm -hmm. hold on a second. I have like a little air on my face here. I don't want to get all like sad. my my kids. Uh, you know, he's in his last few weeks of college. It's his last few weeks of college baseball, most likely, unless he goes and plays a grad year somewhere or something like that. So uh, it's just a lot of things coming to an end in my life that I thought of as um, what my life was about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, yeah. Try to enjoy I just, it. Uh, <laughs> I just went back to work and just dropping him off. Um, we're lucky; um, both grandparents live in the same town, so the grandmothers are watching him and just dropping him off at daycare. It's like a huge adjustment. We cried, and he's <laughs> like. Well, this is just one phase and we're going to cry at kindergarten drop off and high school and college and yeah. everything else. Yeah. I cried uh, when Cole got on the bus for kindergarten the first time I went back in the house and basically fell apart. <laughs> My wife's like, mm -hmm. are you okay? Then she laughed at me for a while. It was not pleasant, uh, but <laughs> I was very upset. I, I, I had been with him like every second for five years, you know, basically. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I just put him in like a giant, like tin can missile with a lady I didn't know. And I was like, here, you can drive him away now. And I was <laughs> very upsetting. Um, oh, yeah. I will tell you that I know everyone's going to say it to you and you're going to think you're hearing it. Um, but it goes by way faster than you think it's going to. Mm -hmm. it, it just, I, there's no way to prepare you for it. Um, because days feel like they take forever and weeks feel like they take months and months feel like they take years. I know that that, like, while you're living life, you can't tell the passage of time, but it is absolutely shocking how quickly it happens. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Trying to enjoy every moment. Yeah. Do your best. It is, um, it, it's the, it's the one thing I wish I could fix. Uh, which is time passing. And I, I don't think I'm going to figure that out. I figured out the diabetes thing pretty well. But I wouldn't look for a Scott Stop, Stops Time podcast coming anytime soon. I don't, 
don't <laughs> think I can. Although I guess if I figure it out, I've got all the time in the world. But that's not the point, really. That's true. Yeah, I haven't been working on that. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, if I do, I will. Uh, I, I think I know exactly some of the days I'll go back to and just sit around and stare at for a few years. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, are you thinking of more children, or are you going to like stick with the one baby situation for a while? just one for a little while um but having kind of the postpartum preeclampsia i think that was a lot um so for anyone who doesn't know that's um high blood pressure and it was just like one more thing to manage so i became a new mom was managing blood sugars and then all of a sudden had to take my blood pressure a couple times a day and you know just be on the lookout for all the different symptoms of high or low blood pressure Mm -hmm. and it just was a very overwhelming experience um, to kind of be thrown at everything at once. Um, Was your husband working? Were you on your own during it, during the day? uh, He had three weeks of paternity leave. Okay. It's still, you, you did it for over two months. How long did it take the preeclampsia or has it not um, resolved? It has not resolved yet. Wow. What's the expectation? Um, They say it can take days, Weeks or months. <laughs> well, that's a polite way of saying we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christy, you know all the measurements we have for time? <laughs> it could take any of those. So, well, what, what's been your experience so far? Is your blood pressure elevated or lowered or does it bounce around? Um, about the first six weeks it was elevated and then it finally did stabilize, but I'm still on medication. Um, and now it's it's pretty stable with the medication, but looking forward to not having to take you know, one more medicine a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you're comfortable that your Hashimoto's is well maintained? Oh, so postpartum, it flipped and I got thyroiditis and had um, hyperthyroidism. Oh. <laughs> like I said, postpartum was like, it was a beast. So as much as I loved pregnancy and I love my son, I'm not sure I want to do postpartum again. Hey, listen. Wait till he draws on the wall or <laughs> takes a crap on your floor or something like that. You'd be like, yeah, this was fine. One's good. Um, okay. So you had, so tell me about this. So the baby comes out wee, and then you, how long until you, your hypothyroidism turns to hyperthyroidism? So I'm not actually sure. And they didn't diagnose me until 12 weeks, but every time they checked my TSH, it was extremely low and they just kept reducing my medicine, check it again, extremely low, reduce my medicine. Um, so finally at 12 weeks, they said, well, I think we can tell you that uh, it's postpartum thyroiditis and it should stabilize shortly. And has again, it? Good, uh, good time measurements. Yeah. In weeks, months or years, perhaps <laughs> even days. Um, did, has that happened yet? It hasn't um, happened yet. So we're still just, adjusting the medicine. So are you taking any Synthroid? Are you, are you on Synthroid? Yes. Yeah, are you um, taking yep, I'm still taking it. How much? Do you know how many micrograms? Uh, it's 75, five days a week. Oh, I see what they're doing. Okay. That's still, 75 is not, a, I mean, that's a, a fair dose for an adult-sized person. So, mm-hmm. and, your, and your TSH is still, like, is it, what is it? Is it in the ones? Is it lower? Uh, lower, like 0.1. Wow. <laughs> Why are they giving you any at all then, I wonder? You know, I was wondering the same thing. Like, because you could just, well, because you're not going to know when it flips back. I mean, how many blood tests have you had in the last couple of weeks? 
<laughs> uh, it's like every three weeks we've been testing it. Three okay. or four weeks. Yeah, because that's the, that's the problem is that they probably think it's just going to stop and then they don't want you without the medication when it actually stops. Right. How is being hyper different from being hypo? You know, they're very similar. Like, um, it's a lot of fatigue, which I was like, oh, I'm a new mom. Of course, of course I'm fatigued. Um, the only big thing that I noticed was the heart palpitations. Oh, okay. And they're scary too, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Um, how often were you having them? At least every day. Fun times. Um, uh, are they gone now or no? Yes. Okay. Um, well, that's good. I, I, mm -hmm. you don't, I mean, how many things do you need going? Are you breastfeeding <laughs> on top of all that? Oh yeah. So there it would be days where I'd be like, Oh, I'm having heart palpitations. Um, I'm going to check my blood pressure and my blood sugar. Oh, and I'm in the middle of breastfeeding. So <laughs> I have have my husband come in like one arm. He's checking my blood glucose. The other arm, he's checking my blood pressure. How um how has that been on your relationship so far? I think it's been good. I mean, I really lucked out. Um, we've been together eleven years, and he's you know has always been my best friend. But he really has like taken all of this on and and just been such an amazing support person. Exactly. And you know, I think it's challenging having a son now. Like when we were in the hospital, it was like, oh my gosh, do I? Um, I still had a low blood sugar um, when he was born. So I was like, do I go to the NICU with him or stay with you? Because I had a postpartum hemorrhage. And he's like, I'm so used to being the caregiver. He didn't know which way to go. Um, obviously, went with my son. But <laughs> um, it was, I think he's really, he's thriving in the role. Excellent. Hey, so hold on a second. So <laughs> hold on. I, I have to wrap my head around your situation here. There's <laughs> there's many, many things happening here. What, what? Tell me again. Why did you have to go to the hospital? Oh, um, when my son was born, he had a low blood sugar at delivery. Okay. All right. And okay. But that hasn't been a problem. No, no, it was just one. And they attributed it to him being born at 37 weeks and a 31 hour labor. Okay. He, he was just, hungry. he was cold. He was just hungry. <laughs> <laughs> he was stuck in there. He was, he was on that slip and slide way too long. He was like, listen, <laughs> I'm wet and I'm cold and I uh, haven't eaten anything. Uh, this lady, how did your blood sugars react after he, like during that long delivery? Like, so did you still need the, the jacked up insulin that you needed in the third trimester? And then how soon no. after? No, you didn't. Not during the delivery or not in the trimester? Uh, not during the delivery. So um, during the delivery, I ended up cutting back um, because I was induced. Um, I was on Pitocin and I couldn't eat anything. So Pitocin um, helped speed up the delivery. And so without eating anything, I just cut back my basil, I think like 20%. Um, I was, a, this is a great tip that I got on Facebook was I used the sugar mate app to have my blood sugars on display. So wherever I was in the hospital room, I could still see what my blood sugars were. Mm -hmm. So we could kind of see if they were rising or falling pretty quickly. Um, and didn't have to pull up my phone every five seconds or have the nurses prick my finger. You and your um, husband were kind of managing that in conjunction yeah. with the healthcare team or just on your own? Um, on our own. We actually were fighting very hard to manage my own blood sugars. That was something that was really important to me. Was it a was it a fight? It was. <laughs> they didn't want you to do it? 
No, I um, I gave birth at a, a big hospital because, um, as I mentioned, I'm in a rural area, so I couldn't uh, I couldn't deliver a high risk pregnancy here. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in Boston, they were not happy to have me manage my own triggers. Can we talk a little bit about that? How long was that process of you badgering them into doing what you wanted? How long did it take you to get get that on your you know set up the way you wanted it? Um, it was probably like three or four hours of going back and forth and then having to like, I had to like sign paperwork and say everything of like, they want to know every time I gave myself insulin and I was like, Oh, I'm on a pump. And they were like, well, every time you give yourself insulin, let us know. And I was like, no, it gives me it like every hour as a basal. And they were like, we need to write it down. I was like, I'm not going to write down every hour while I'm in labor. It's not even every hour, by the way. It's broken out of, over the hour. Like, right. it's like You'd be yelling like, I just got 0.04. <laughs> I just got 0.02. I just got. <laughs> yeah. No algorithm for you, right? You're just using Omnipod straight up? Yes. Okay. And um, it sounds like, so how did you get, hmm, what is my question here? How did you get so proficient about your diabetes in such a short amount of time? Um, I think, as I mentioned, being type A, and then I, uh, my background is in data analytics. And so I kind of looked at Dexcom and was like, okay, here's where I see trends. How can I fix it? Um, and obviously, it just kind of being COVID and the world slowing down a little bit. I had a lot of time to do research and listen to podcasts. Yeah. No, I understand. It time really is like time mm-hmm. to look at it and enough understanding to make sense of what you're seeing. Right. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, and I think it just really helped some of like the things that I had early on. You know, um, I had worked with a nutritionist who had type one and she was telling me how important it is to pre bolus. So basically since the first day that I started using insulin, I was pre bolusing. And then I was learning that other people were like, oh, I don't pre-bolus. And I was like, no, you have to. <laughs> that's, that's how I was taught to use insulin. So it just, it wasn't difficult for me to start introducing it. Right. So as soon as I think I'm going to have a snack, I take insulin and I set a timer for 15 minutes. Wow. Good for you. It's, it's, uh, it's that easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not all the time. <laughs> no, I was going to say also nothing uh, about this story is really easy. I mean, you had trouble getting pregnant. You had trouble... Um, getting through to a doctor, you, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you get pregnant, there's issues with your pregnancy. Um, your Hashimoto's is, you know, morphing in and out <laughs> <laughs> like a bad sci-fi movie, just turning from one thing <laughs> to another. Um, you're managing that along with the preeclampsia, along with being scared. I mean, honestly, how scary was it when the baby's blood sugar was low? Oh, super scary. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah, my, my son that. didn't warm up for a couple of hours. And I remember just being scared about that. They're like, we mm-hmm. can't bring you the baby yet. He's not warm enough. And I was like, what? And, you know, there was a, a knot in his umbilical cord when he came out. And okay. so, like, you don't know what you're doing. I, I remember, I know I've said this on here before, but the, I cut, you know, Cole's umbilical cord. And they I'm holding the scissors. And he comes out, and the, the, the doctor's, like, running the, the umbilical cord, and he this knot and the, I see the knot, I point to it. And I go, is that a problem? And he holds up the baby indicating to me, baby's alive. And he goes, apparently not cut it here. And, uh, you know, even that you're like, well, isn't the thing how he breathes? Like the cord, isn't that where the air and the, like, I pretty sure I learned that in health class. And you, you're <laughs> like, so there's this stuff you don't know. And 
all of a sudden you care about something more than anything else in the whole world and you're trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to make sense of it. I would think that low blood sugar thing. I mean, did you wonder for a second if the baby got insulin through you? Oh, there were so many things running through my head. Mm -hmm. And um, the, so I mentioned I gave birth at a a big institution. And so they had, you know, a hundred doctors and it's a teaching hospital and everybody's in the room. It was great. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) They are like, oh, it's because, that the mom's diabetic, that the baby has a low blood sugar. And, you know, in that moment, like very much like I'm blaming myself and crying. And, you know, my blood sugars had been between like 80 and 110 throughout the whole delivery. And I just kept saying like, what, you know, what did I do wrong? And I was very lucky that I had hired a doula who also had type one. And she very quickly was like, could this also be because he's cold? And, you know, he was having trouble warming up. And they said, well, yeah, that, that could also be a factor. And it was like, they just immediately jumped to, it's because I was diabetic that yeah. he had a low blood sugar. And it was, you know, traumatizing for me as well. Like, you know, I just spent nine months <laughs> growing this human and I felt like I had failed right off the bat. I heard somebody say recently, uh, something that I've thought kind of privately most of my adult life, I've never, I don't know how much I've said it out loud or not where I'm being recorded, but um, medicine's a thing we're still figuring out. You know, we, we don't, um, we don't know everything about the body and about medication, about surgery and about procedures and all the stuff that goes along with being alive and the things you need to stay alive, you know, all the things that have to happen so that you don't die along the Oregon trail when you're 17, you you know, like, uh, my appendix needed to come out stuff like that. Um, I mean, we know a lot and doctors do an amazing job, but there's still a lot more to know and they're not perfect and they don't certainly know everything. Um, but we hope they do or act like they do. Like, I, I don't know exactly, but that, um, oh, the mom has diabetes. I heard blood sugar. That's probably because of the diabetes lady right here. Like they don't, I guarantee you the person that said that out loud didn't know that as a fact. They just put two and two together and said it out loud. Um, right. Yeah. The, the problem with human beings is uh, we don't know everything. So, uh, but we act like we do. And, right. and good on us if we didn't. Or, I mean, how would there be any podcasts? I know. And I'll just be mine. I mean, all of them, where everybody's <laughs> like, here's what I think. <laughs> You're like, Great. Um, so are you, I mean, I think we've heard here, you're thinking just one baby, which I'm on board with, by <laughs> the way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, overall, glad you did it still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love being a mom. Oh, that's excellent. Um it's just, it's, you know, it's an important question to ask because there could be people who hear all that and go, eh, uh, I'm not doing all that. I mean, not that some of the things that happened to you are going to happen to everybody, uh, but still, no. uh, your parents pr- pretty proud. I imagine that you got Hashimoto's too, just like keeping the family <laughs> tradition go. Oh yeah. <laughs> How aware of their Hashimoto's, Do they have Hashimoto's or are they, not autoimmune. Do you, or do um, they my mom know? has Hashimoto's. Okay. How aware of that with your parents were you like growing up? Not aware at all. Just, you know, I, I remember my mom actually had her thyroid removed at one point and she was kind of, I was in college and she called and she's like, I'm going into surgery and I'll call you when I get out. And never really thought that much about her having thyroid issues that it would impact me. Mm-hmm. So I never had ever researched it or new signs to look out for it. And I look back and I'm like, 
I'm pretty sure I've had Hashimoto's for like five years before I got diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you that that part that haunts me about being a parent uh, with my daughter having autoimmune issues? Um, I don't want my kids to waste time or to have poor health and not know why. Like, like mm -hmm. I constantly think about like, should I just sit down and write down everything I know or would that freak them out? Like maybe I'll just stay alive and call them every six months and ask them how they're feeling. <laughs> it, you, you know what I mean? Like, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like if, if you had this for five years, you look back now in hindsight, you see how it impacted you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, and isn't that, doesn't that, I'm sorry, look at you, you you're post, you're still just had a baby. I should not say anything sad to you, but doesn't that make <laughs> you, make you sad a little bit? It really does. And, yeah. you know, I look at kind of like my quality of life. I was always fatigued, always, you know, exhausted. And I just always chalked it up to the fact that I was busy. You know, I, I had a really high profile job. Um, you know, I, I had ran for public office. It was like, I was always on the go and doing things. So I was like, of course I'm tired, you know. I'm working a lot and it's it was so much more than that and I you know I kind of felt that when I got diagnosed with type one it was my body saying like please just stop doing everything you're doing I ended up quitting my job um and I just kind of I got a new job that's way less stressful and I really kind of dived into my health and previously I'd always kind of been you know quote healthy I you know I was a runner I was a spin instructor um you know I ate healthy and so like on the outside, I looked healthy, but I felt like on the inside, my body was just kind of overstressed and overworked. And this yeah. kind of helped me stop and reevaluate life, which I think COVID did for a lot of people. But um, it was really kind of this diagnosis that made me pause. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of people overthought things because I can't go into any store now and get service with any kind of expediency. <laughs> people are like, there, we don't exactly. have enough. There's not enough people working or it's my first day. I'm like, OK, I'm just I'll stand here. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, everyone lost their will to make money. I need you all out there again. Get out there. I didn't stop making this <laughs> podcast. You don't get to stop going to work. Then, you know, <laughs> damn it. Yep. Just live oh. the American dream. Work yourself into the ground and die. All right. <laughs> I need my nuggets <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I'm in a resort town, so it is challenging. We have, we have no workers and, with the pause on J-1 visas and H-2B visas, uh, we've had a very challenging two years, and it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. Mm. Yeah. Well, listen, everyone's going to run out of money pretty soon, and they'll go right back to work. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> it's a nice, it, You know, listen, it's, it's nice to talk about in that kind of like, um, you know, real progressive way. And I agree with you. Like, we shouldn't work ourselves into the ground, you know, et cetera. There's too much stress with work. But what really is the alternative? Because the alternative sounds like no money and no place to live. So, you know, I think you, you got to get in the, this is, I mean, you, you want to try to change society. Okay. But for the moment, like this is how it works. And, uh, right. you know, people have been working themselves into a heart attack for uh, many generations in America. It's a tradition. So <laughs> how to keep up the tradition, do your part, Christy. <laughs> Or you can find the happy medium, a yeah. little bit less stress and some time to be a mom. That's excellent. That's really great. So are you um, working every day of the week? Do you work from home? Do you work out of a, a place of business you have to go to? So I'm working from home, um, which has been really nice to to kind of ease back into it. Nice. That's excellent. I, I don't think Kelly's ever leaving. Hmm. I said to her, I was like, well, why don't you go back to work? 
the office. Everybody's okay now. They say you don't even have to wear a mask on an airplane. Get out of here, you silly kid. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I get more done here. And I'm like, mm, I know, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, um, so my husband's the same. Um, he's been able to work remotely since COVID. And now, you know, everything's opening back up and he's still remote. So it was definitely interesting with um, both of us being home for the past three months um, and trying to get work done and just being in the same space as much as we've been. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of office buildings that aren't being used right now. I keep wondering what anybody's going to do with them. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, it's like malls. They're, they're not as much use anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was at a mall recently. They're very sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Used to be a bustling place. And now you're walking, you're like, <laughs> is there anyone else here? I feel weird. <laughs> just there to get some exercise i just need to walk around and and uh go to the apple store and look at the things i can't afford and i'm gonna leave i'm out of here i need i need a pair of sneakers um that's really something uh, you know so at the beginning you said you love telling your story have i let you tell it or have or have you not gotten oh, anything yeah. we're doing good no that that was yeah that was just you know i i think the the education out there um i always tell everybody you know, how I was misdiagnosed and how you have to be an advocate for yourself. And I feel like that's what I've really learned over the past two years from everything from kind of calling Joslyn myself and getting an an endocrinologist and then throughout my whole labor and pregnancy, just I kept having to advocate for everything that I wanted. And I feel like this is kind of, I feel like not enough people know that, that they're in charge when they are at hospitals and they think that the doctors know everything, which they do know more than us, but a lot of times you know your own body a lot better. In fairness to your statement, Christy, everything that happened to you was met by misinformation from a doctor. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got the baby out, but also took them 31 hours. So, <laughs> Well, I think that's just nature. <laughs> oh, I know, but while we're busy blaming them, let's blame them for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe the 31 hour thing. No, but everything else from the P- from the original PC, uh, uh, I guess you were pretty happy with your OB, right? Yes, I did luck out with a really great OB. Good. Okay. Um, but I mean, they brought everybody. It sounds like everybody in Boston saw your hoo-ha, right? They brought everybody <laughs> into the room and then made you feel bad. Oh, yeah. And they were, um, they just kept telling me it is medically necessary to get this baby out. And it's like, the one sentence I heard the whole time I was there and I was like I think we're okay you know I I had gone in really wanting a different birth experience than I had and I wasn't excited about being at a big hospital and so I pushed back on every single thing and every time I pushed back it was like it is medically necessary it's like is it really is it life or death right now (laughs) once we reach life or death I'll give in but until that point I'm going to keep advocating good for you that's really something that's great um what else? Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have? Not that I can think of. Um, I feel like we did such a good job. I'm just looking up and <laughs> it hasn't been quite an hour. And I'm like, we did it. But usually it takes longer than this. Did I not talk as much? Is that what happened? <laughs> I feel like I talked a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking people are like, yeah, well, here's what happens, Scott. You shut up and let her talk. And that's how we got the story. <laughs> <laughs> No, but and it's, I'm only two years into it, so. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. right. You don't know enough yet. I don't have enough I to ask you enough. about. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about, uh, there's a couple things for me to ask you about. So did you find the episodes of the podcast where we talked about pregnancy, the pro tip? Did you go through um, 
the one person who I, I interviewed at every step along the way, um, first, second yeah. trimester, all that stuff. You, did you hear, was any of that valuable for you? Oh, definitely. And really just hearing experiences and, you know, it just sounds so cliche, but it's like you, you don't understand things a lot of times until you can see it in somebody else. And so I felt like even with listening to the podcast of, you know, that first episode I listened to, it was a very similar story. You had talked to somebody who had got, gotten diagnosed at 30 and kind of how she was navigating, like a, she had changed jobs and trying to navigate that. And it was like, hey, here's somebody kind of like me going through the same experience I am and they're okay and I'm going to be okay. Um, and then just hearing successful pregnancy stories, it's like, okay, I can do this too. And I was very prepared at every step when I, I would know when the insulin resistance was going to hit. And you know, I was able to look at my Dexcom data and be able to evaluate things. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to be looking in the rear view mirror constantly of like what was happening the week prior, mm -hmm. but I would say, I'd also know, okay, I remember that as we're hitting, you know, week 32, the resistance is going to. Um, kick in a little bit more and so i would know what to expect and also be able to look at what was happening oh that makes me happy i'm glad i i, I just think it's so cool like really you didn't need to name the baby after me i was teasing you but i'm just <laughs> i'm just happy that you uh you had a better experience because of this thing we put together here you know it's um, oh definitely really cool i and mean I, I think about it i was like living this life of not eating carbs and yeah i, I know that some people choose to do that and there's a lot of days where you know, if I've had a roller coaster day, the next day I'm like, I'm going to go easy on the carbs today. But I like having the choice of, okay, I can go easy on the carbs today, or mm -hmm. it's my birthday and I'm going to eat all the cake. And I just, now I know how to dose for it. I have the tools to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so, I'm, I, I'm genuinely like, I, I have so many feelings about it that I can't pop, I can't even, I can't get them all out. I'm tickled. Like I'm happy. Um, I'm happy for you. I'm uh, proud of myself for making the thing mm -hmm. like it it really does like it, it it's um i'll probably end up saying it over and over again till the end but I, I didn't know when i started this that you know christy was gonna not have to eat chicken thighs and have a baby and stuff <laughs> like that you, you know what i mean like it's uh it's cool to reach people and to and to help them um Definitely. it's just hard to put into words anyway if i was on pcp i could probably be more eloquent <laughs> What is angel dust? I mean, Christy, don't you feel like we have to find out now? Because I really don't know. Um, do you know? Are you a big angel dust fan as a child? Nope, I wasn't. You don't strike me as a drug user at all, by the way. Um, no. Okay. Fencyclidine? Okay, here we go. Fencyclidine or fenlacycloflix? I don't know. Piperdine, PCP, also known as angel dust, among other names, is a disconnective hallucinogenic drug used for mind-altering effects. PCP may cause hallucinations, distortions, perceptions of sound, and violent behavior. Is this like when they talk, oh, you can smoke it? Snort it? Look at this. Kids, stop listening. Um, looks like, oh, wow. There's all kinds. It is not a good thing. I'm not saying that. Nobody do mm. nobody do angel dust. <laughs> schizophrenia. What happens here? Wow. Can you get flipped into being a schizophrenic by by smoking the angel dust? Definitely Sounds don't like do it. that, kids. No drugs. I want to say right now, Christy, who is delightful, doesn't do drugs, and I've never done <laughs> drugs either. 
and you can actually believe that. I just know, I just know PCP is angel dust. That's all I know. That's the extent of my knowledge. Um, <laughs> will you stop your child from smoking the weed twenty years from now when they try? Oh, no. They're gonna have to try if they want to. Okay, it's completely legal now. Did you hear cops can smoke weed now? Really? I swear. Christy, do you mind if we take the end of your episode to look up things that I've heard but haven't had time to look into? Um, I think in New Jersey. Oh, okay. In New Jersey, the uh, Jersey City Mayor says cops who use marijuana, even if they're off duty, will be fired. But that's not what I heard. I heard New Jersey cops won't be banned from smoking weed. So I guess you made it. Oh, it's going back and forth. It's turning into a political thing. So I guess they made it legal. So how do you stop somebody from doing something illegal, right? Like uh, vodka is legal. So a cop can go home and have a gimlet if they want to, right? So if you make the weed legal, why can't they go home and have an edible or smoke? And now the Mm -hmm. governor's like, he's open to banning off-duty cops from using marijuana. Interesting. Um. This is going to go back and forth forever. Watch New Jersey mess this up. (laughs) They mess everything else up. New Jersey, by the way, is just a bunch of banks and pharmaceutical companies and a big highway. There's nothing else here. Don't <laughs> don't visit. We have nothing. <laughs> you, uh, where I am, we get a lot of visitors from New Jersey. So yeah. we, uh, we don't like the people from New York and New Jersey. Oh, well, you would like me. Although I would drive very fast through your town. That would be irritating to you probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'd stop and want to use your facilities and stuff. And then I'd spend money while I was there though. So I need a well, drink side of the road kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> let's see. What does your husband do for a living? He works at a bank. He does. Um, he's a credit analyst and uh, does mortgage evaluations. Nice. You guys are like a nice little family. Look at you. Mm-hmm. All right. What are our hopes and dreams for this little baby? What do you, I'm being serious. Do you want it to grow up to be, relaxed and happy or do you want to be a go-getter or because you you kind of seems like you've had both in your life you i mean you were out there like doing a lot at one point and now you're Mm -hmm. thinking the other way but how do you think about the baby like what should the baby do yeah it's really interesting i've never thought about it but you know i think i just want him to be happy um i definitely don't want to put as much stress on him as i felt like i had a lot of stress um I was the first in my family to go to college and graduate and kind of be this, um, you know, star child. I feel like I don't want to put that pressure on him, especially if he's the only kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I think just more so, I just, I'm looking forward to having fun with him. Yeah, that's the way to think about it. I I approve your message, Christy. What do you think (laughs) of that? And I really hope he doesn't get type one, but, you know, if he does, then I have the tools to help him. The podcast. You meant the podcast, right? Not, not yeah. you. Like, you'll make him listen, please. I need the <laughs> listeners. Christy, I got to keep this going oh, for a while. That's all yeah. he's done in his first three months of life. <laughs> is listening to this. So, oh my gosh, I um, I was just interviewing somebody the other day, and I brought this up, so it'll be six months ago. People, you might have heard it before, but uh, this this kid, uh, this mom shared this, this image online of this child kind of drew himself as a robot with things on his shoulders talking to him, and... um. One of the things was a, a juice box telling him that he could eat whatever he wanted if he bolused for it. And she Uh-oh. said she couldn't believe, like, he's a little kid, but he's hearing the podcast while she's listening to it and helping himself that way. 
I was so like, oh, so I thought awesome. that was really kind of like adorable. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't, here's where I'm at. If anybody cares, I, I don't want my kids to live with me for the rest of their lives. Not because <laughs> I don't like them, but because I don't think it would be healthy for anybody. I want to, I want to be able to die thinking they can take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. But I do just want them to be happy. But I also think there should be somebody making the nuggets. So I'm very conflicted. I want them to get out there and work and be happy at the same time. Is that possible? Can you work and be happy? I think so. Yeah, but everybody can't have a YouTube channel, Chrissy. Somebody's going to mm-hmm. have to actually go make the French fries. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody's got to write I the mortgage. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to equal itself out and balance itself, I think, soon. You think so? You think like one day we'll all just have like little tasks that we do and money will be free and you won't need it or something like that? Or what do you think? Well, I don't think, I don't think it'll go that far, you but know, like it's going to get all Star Trek. I think that we're starting to figure out ways to, to balance. I always say like work life balance, but there's no such thing. Um, but, you know, I think things that have come out of COVID, like being able to work from home, um, you know, I, I think I would quit my job, honestly. <laughs> You have to go back three months after giving birth. It's a lot, but being able to ease into it is something that is going to make me keep working. Mm-hmm. Can I go out? You want? I'm going to give you a hot take. It's going to go the other way, right? I think the working from home thing is ruining people's work life balance, not making it better. Oh yeah, I, I can see that too. Yeah, I think that it's easier to start working, so you start earlier. You probably go longer. You start to get this feeling like there's nowhere to go, so I might as well do this. If I'm not doing this, what else am I going to do anyway? I think they're getting free mm-hmm. work out of us by working from home. Yes. I definitely saw that at the beginning of COVID. It was like 24-7, mm-hmm. nonstop. Yeah. Um, because you're right. There's nothing else. I sat down the other night at like 11 o'clock. It was like a Friday night, and I was like, I'm going to edit another podcast. Now, I mean, it's a, you know, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a business I own, so I mean... I obviously didn't have to do it if I didn't want to, but I'm just saying like my wife was out somewhere and I was like, I have nothing to do. I'm not tired. I mean, I'll go to work. If I had to go into an office building, I would not have gotten in my car and driven to a building at 11 o'clock to edit a podcast. So I do think there's, I think there's good and bad as with everything Mm -hmm. we're going to see. But my hot take is before long, we're going to be opening those office buildings back up. People are going to be thrilled to go back to work. Yes. How many people do you know that got divorced during COVID? Hmm. Do you know any? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> As did I. <laughs> I had a guy told me, I swear to God, beginning of COVID, everybody's like, oh my God, COVID, we're all going to die, blah, blah, blah. He looks me in the face. He goes, oh, I'm getting divorced. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, I am going to end up getting divorced. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, the only secret to keeping my marriage going is that we don't see each other very much. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, for sure. Six months later, didn't live there anymore. Wow. Divorced now. Well, at least he knew. Older people. Like, not like, you know, 29-year-old or somebody. Like, you know, it's just like, ah, whatever. Like, spend a good life together. And <laughs> and he knew. As soon as COVID came, while everyone else was like, I don't know, I'm going to get the COVID. I'm going to die. I'm going to do this. My grandma, I'm like, well, everybody's thinking about all that stuff. He's like, oh, I'm getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Happened like, well, oh, my goodness. It was it was really something. He knew the key to success was not being at home. Yes. He, well, his key to success was going to work. 
and I don't know why, like, I don't know his particulars, you know, he, he, they could have just talked to each other, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, <laughs> but he knew where it was headed. It's really interesting. All right, Christy, you're too nice. And we're just talking at this point. So I'm going to let you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you well, very, very much. Fun. Now, I, did you have a good time? I did. I feel like a hostess in this situation. Like if you didn't have a good time, I worry about my skills. No, it's uh, it's funny because I listen to you so much. It's actually nice to have a conversation back and forth. <laughs> it's nice when you can talk back to the voice. Makes you feel more sane. <laughs> you know, I had a, um, <clears throat> I, I said we were going to stop, but one more thing. I clear my throat though. <clears throat> Sorry. This morning I was talking to a, uh, a business associate who's moving on from a job and we were saying goodbye and we had done a lot of stuff together for the podcast. And, um, at the very end of the conversation, she said, just want to tell you what it, it was a great pleasure working with you. And I said, thank you. And, but part of me is like, well, why, you know? Um, but I didn't say why, but she just went on into it and she said, you're such a great facilitator of good conversations. And then that got mm -hmm. in my head. Because then we got on and like 15 minutes into this, I started thinking, am I doing a good job in this conversation? Because I can't tell. Like, So the secret is, is that if I am a good facilitator of conversation, it's not something I'm setting out to do. It's happening. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Right. And so then I got into my head and I was like, am I doing the thing that makes me good at this right now? Like I actually like had myself, I was a little twisted up in the first like 15 minutes we talked. Because I had her voice in my head telling me, you do a good job at this. And I was like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So anyway. Freaks you out. You got a little stage fright. I got a little freaked out. <laughs> Hopefully no one will notice. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that. G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'd also like to thank Touched by Type 1 and remind you to go to touchedbytype1.org or find them on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, AG1 from Athletic Greens. Head to my link, athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box to get a free year supply of vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your subscription. Athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. If you're looking for a community around type 1 diabetes, the Facebook page for the Juice Box Podcast is now over 31,000 members in it. Juice Box Podcast, type 1 diabetes on Facebook. If you're looking for the After Dark series, Ask Scott and Jenny, Algorithm Pumping, Bold Beginnings, Defining Diabetes, Defining Thyroid, Diabetes Pro Tips series, the Diabetes Variables, Mental Wellness, and more. Head to juiceboxpodcast.com. Look up top in the menu, and you will be able to find everything that you're looking for. Once you know what you're looking for, it'll be super simple to listen right there online or search your podcast player for the episode that you want. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.